Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Dodger Dudes Show with former Dodger pitcher Brett Tomko and his Sandlot buddy Josh the Duker Luke. The Dodger Dudes talk Dodger baseball, Sandlot stories from their youth, and share what it's going to take for the Blue Crew to win the World Series. Don't forget to answer our weekly poll question and fan poll on Twitter and Facebook. The Dodger Dudes Show is part of the Believe Sports Network online at BLEAV.com. The Dodger Dudes believe in the Dodgers. Do you believe? Welcome back to the Dodger Dudes with uh, co-host Josh Luke and former Dodger pitcher Brett Tomko. Brett, how was your trip to uh, Disneyland with the family, man? It was good. It was it was hectic. I, Disneyland is not like when we grew up when it was you could get on every ride whenever you wanted to, like with e-tickets and all that stuff. It, I mean, it was packed. So we had a battle to get online in, into rides and and get the food we wanted to. But my kids had a good time. I had a good time. I got to go to the new whole galaxy edge star wars, wars. land yes yeah, yeah it was pretty cool that ride the uh, millennium falcon ride was was a pretty good ride uh, I hear it's the longest ride in the park now um yeah it might be they're making a new ride that i found out um is like 38 minutes maybe that's the one i read about yeah i yeah. know and it's like a total immersive thing where you get in there and you get chased by kylo ren like basically he's trying to hunt you down <laughs> in this this big ship or whatever um, I think it comes out in January, but it was a great time. We, we, we hit all the big rides and I, it made me think a little bit, maybe we can play a little game before we really get into it. If we were going to pick like rides at Disneyland and, and make them correspond to some of the players, like how would, how would we do that? Like, say we took like a space mountain. We gotta, but Dustin May is a definite Star Wars character with that hair, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> we we could throw him in there. Well, he would be like the the what is it, the Mad Hatter. Um, <laughs> so he would be Mister awesome. Mister Toad's Wild Ride, maybe. Yeah, I, like I think. It. Yeah. Um, Space Mountain, maybe, maybe a Bellinger, like exciting, fast. How about uh, Engine Ryu being Russell from Up, man? There's one for you right there. <laughs> the look like the doppelhanger, I guess, is the official. There we go. If we were going to be, what, what about Kershaw? What ride would he be? I think if, if Kershaw put on one of those goofy hats that has the actual ears coming down, I think he'd be a dead ringer because he's so tall, man. He would definitely be a goofy. <laughs> that, yeah, good. for sure. Um, let's see. What about uh, Tigger? Maybe Justin Turner, the orange beard? <laughs> little correlation. Awesome, man. He's a legend. You can tell we grew up in the OC. We're big Disney guys, huh? Oh, yeah. Well, I think all our friends, I mean, if we go back, all our friends either worked at Disney or still work at Disney. They're lifers or yeah. we all knew people that worked there. We went there a ton of times because we could get in free just because of our friends. Well, and really quickly before we get into baseball, guys, if you're going to go to Disneyland nowadays, the time to go is is pretty much uh, you know late September, October when everybody else is in school or in February because it's packed every other day, it, particularly now the Star Wars is open. It's going to be packed forever. Yeah. Yeah. We looked on the little crowd meter and it was like estimated to be like a one or a two on the crowd meter and it was like wall-to-wall people. So it's yeah. it's never going to be not packed. Yeah, I'm with you. Sure. Wait, let's talk some Dodger baseball. Man, I'm so pumped the playoffs are here, man. And, I, and my wife always says, you get so pumped for like three weeks and then you're so depressed. For like weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been depressed the last couple of years for sure. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I'm ready. And you know what? As much as I think the Astros are the team to beat, the good news is nobody's worried about the Astros because anybody can win. 
in the National League uh, Division Series. Anybody can win in the NLCS. So I'll worry about the Astros if we get. I'll be happy we get there, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, I mean, you first got to get past the first round, which. So let's no, start I, with that. Yeah, yeah. yesterday, the, 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 the Nats proved it. Hey, we're throwing everything we got at winning one game, and they didn't do it until they had, what, four outs left or something. Well, the, well, the funny thing is, is like I mean, everyone – I even like read some criticism today about throwing Strasburg in there. And what? Like, what do there you, is no yeah, tomorrow. Come that's, what, that, that's what I'm saying. There's no tomorrow. So you, I, I like what the Nats did in terms of, you know, as a, as a baseball person is – yeah, you got to play for you got to play for not like no holds barred. So if 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 you're out of it and and that's the situation, throw your best out there, keep yourself in the ball game so you have a chance later in the game, which they did to to come back and win a ball game, and it, it was exciting. Um, you know, it's it's I try to take my my hat off and and just become a fan and to watch that game. I mean that that Nationals ballpark was going ballistic. When they when they scored those sure. three runs, as it should, right? So there's two oh. things that made that, that you just made me think of when you said that. And one is, I read that they have the worst bullpen the Nats do of anybody in the playoffs, and I haven't confirmed that, but I read that. The other thing is, interestingly enough, we're hearing the Dodgers are going to go with Bueller in Game One, Kirsch in Game Two, and Ryu in Game Three, with some of the explanation from Doc being that he wants to reserve the right to bring Kershaw back for a Game Five or at least as a reliever. But doesn't that now put the Nats in the same spot where you have Strasburg pitching game two and likely Scherzer game three based on their pitch counts? Well, I think I tell you what, I, I think it's actually worked out in in the favor of the Nats. The fact that Corbin has been so good against the Dodgers, you know, the last couple years. Um, and let's be honest, Scherzer hasn't been the Scherzer down the road that I'm, I'm sure he wants to be. Um, you know, yeah, he, he cooled down for sure down the stretch, but he's yeah, still he, Max Scherzer. <laughs> he, yeah, exactly. He's still Max. Even after yesterday, after he, you know, got banged up a cut, you know, for a few runs, he still came back and, and, and really got over uh, after it, you know, the last couple innings, but Corbin versus the Dodgers in 2008, got, people were only hitting a buck 25 off him. And in 2019, 136. So, I think that plays right in the hands of, of the Nationals, and I think maybe that's why they didn't care. you got to try to win that game, but if you pitch Strasburg and you're left with Corbin to start game one, you know, I, I, don't, feel, I don't think they're feeling too bad about it. Well, I, let's, talk, let's talk just a little bit further about the game yesterday. I felt like the Brewers were in position to win, but there was uh, – I think it was the third inning where they had um, they had runners in scoring position, I think, with no outs and one out, and they just could not get that run in. I think – I think Tim's, who, who had a home run in the first inning, he put one up against the wall, which should have been an out and ended up being a double, and that's the runner they had. Right. And I remember, you know, one of the things I've always heard as I've become a student of the game is in the playoffs, if you make one error, they almost always are going to capitalize on it. And I thought for sure that's when um, that's when the Brewers were going to make their move from three to three to one up to, to four to one because uh, I think um, they had just tied it up with that home run from Turner. Is, is that his name? Shea? Uh, yeah, Shea, uh, Trey Turner. Yeah. Trey Turner, yeah, which which was a, a – man, I think just got out. But, Dude, you know, but I, I liked what the Brewers did, though, that they, they were playing to win early. They pulled their pitcher in the fourth because he was leading off, and the guy got on, so the manager well, got rewarded. Well, he had he had an oblique injury earlier in the year, so he hadn't he hadn't thrown much the second half because he was an all star. Woodward Woodward was an all star, so Woodruff. I always mess his name up, but he was an all star. And and, but after he hurt his oblique, he he had limited pitching down the end. I don't think he had thrown more than three innings. So to go out and do do what he did, I I don't think they expected him to go four innings, and he looked lights out. So I, I think getting him out of there 
you know, was what the Nats needed, but they still couldn't put up any runs. And, and, you know, to get later in the game and to get to Hater, I think the Brewers were exactly where they wanted to be. No and doubt. I, I no think doubt. if you were a, 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 a Milwaukee fan sitting at home, as soon as Hater came in the eighth, you're like, this game's over. We're going to L.A. You know, we're getting, we're busting 45 minutes after this game and we're heading to L.A. And, and it wasn't the case. Hater, Hater didn't look like himself. He was super wild, couldn't find the strike zone. And I'll tell you what, I think the biggest – the biggest at bat of the whole game was Rendon, who was 0 for 3 at the time, had a chance to basically do something really big, hit a three-run homer, and went to went to a 3-2 count and laid off a pretty close uh, ball four pitch, which tells me exactly what type of of player he is. I mean, that's that's why he's kind of in the in the running for MVP because. He sat there and took that pitch, which enabled them to get the bases loaded and get to Soto, who actually hits left-handers really well. And and Soto put up a great at bat too. Yeah, and to do what he. Watch. Oh man, and do what he did. That kid's an exciting ball player, and we talked about a little bit, you know, on the last couple shows uh, about the impact that he's made in Washington without Bryce Harper there, and he's putting up, you know, just as good, if not better, numbers than Bryce Harper at 20 years old. He's going to be. You know, I was listening to a post game afterwards with Gary Sheffield and, and on TBS, and he said, you know, Soto may be one of the best players in the game before too long, and I don't, I don't disagree with that. No, I mean, there's so many up and comers playing right now. It's crazy. You, you, just really quickly, two things. I got yeah. So, so for all those who are as concerned as I am, which is none of you, um, Brett's brother Scott did beat me in fantasy, and today we got the little summary that the CBS automates, and it says. I had, of the 10 guys in the league, the three worst first three picks in the league. It was Aaron Judge, <laughs> it, was, it was Stanton, and it was Sanchez. Three Yankees, which is awkward, but it's because they were all hurt. But that's kind of the point. Look, at there's so many young players this year that broke out. I mean, I had a guy from Kansas City. Uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, I can't even pronounce his last name. He had 40-some home yeah. runs as a rookie this year. So there's a lot of guys playing, but your brother, our official show statistician, also texted after the game that Hader had not allowed two singles in the same appearance since May of this year. Well, and uh, the Zimmerman single, I don't know if you really can call that a single because he shattered his bat in half. I think that's – but that's <laughs> baseball. You know what yeah. I mean? You make a good pitch. That's why I would say when people throw no hitters, it, it's one of those things that it's there's a lot of luck involved because he made a great pitch, shattered his bat, base hit. But That's I what mean, Crash Davis says about that. Crash Davis says if you do one of those a week, your batting average is twenty points yeah, yeah. higher. Right? And if you, I tell you what, if you take your 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 Dodger hat off for a second and think about Zimmerman and what he did right there, a lifer in Washington, you know, draft. He was the first uh, pick, I think, in the Washington uh, when they were eligible for the draft, and he's been there the whole time to come up with a hit like that and extend the inning, which basically you know put runners on the base where they could come back and win like what a cool mo i think about cool moments in baseball sure. um, a lot of them. yeah and there were there were stuff when steve finley hit a walk-off grand slam against us uh when i was with san francisco like as much as like that you know crushed me because we weren't going to go to the playoffs but like to be a baseball fan and see stuff like that i mean you gotta you gotta love just watching baseball well, hey, on that note, real quick, off topic, what'd you think about the Giants um, pinch hitting Bumgarner against Kershaw when Kershaw was relieving on Sunday? I thought that was kind of cool. I mean, it's different. I'll tell you, he got Bumgarner got a great ovation from, from yeah. the Giants crowd. And and say what you want to say Kershaw. about you know, as a Dodger fan, um, you know, say what you want to say about San Francisco. I played there. Their fans are loyal. Um, they're good to their players, and to give an ovation like that to him, kind of, you know, what he did for that 
organization and, you know, that run he made in the World Series basically won them the World Series with the pitching that he did. Um, I thought it was really cool. And it, I thought it was cool how Kershaw gave him a little, a little hat the tip cat. too. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and that's, that's just – that's just players understanding the magnitude of what other players do, and it's it's always fun to see that. This is a topic for another show, but I don't understand why the assumption that, that he's out. I mean, he's on the downside of his career, and he seems like a guy who'd be willing to take a discount to stay. Has there been some public announcement that says he's, he's, he's out and they don't want him? I haven't read anything or seen anything, but either. maybe that's just the gut feeling that he has, or or maybe there's been something that's conveyed internally that – you know, that it's not going to happen and him to come back. Uh, yeah. he, thing is, is he's, he's, he's still effective and maybe he feels like he's yeah. going to make money somewhere else. And maybe he doesn't want to take that discount. Who knows? I mean, which is the normal approach, right? I mean, you got to make money while you can. Right. But you know, it's, it's like Felix Hernandez up in, in Seattle, like the ovation that he got in his final game. Yeah, like that was great. cool to see. And it, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, could he sign there for another year for, you know, minimum to keep playing? Absolutely. But you know, players are players. They're out hunting salaries and, and doing what they got to do to support them and their family. So you never know what happens. Uh, I'm sure he would, in a perfect world, love to stay there, but I don't know if yeah, that's But both happen. those guys been up and down. So as a GM, you're kind of like, hey, I can put you in the number three slot. I can't pay you very much. So anyway, that's hey, who, the, know, who knows? Maybe he'll, maybe he'll be a Dodger. You never know. It's well, like this. So, so one topic that was awesome this year, Brett, and I really want to get your opinion. You and I actually haven't talked about this. I read that Bumgarner's no trade clause, limited trade clause. I've never heard of this. And, and did you ever play with Bum, by the way? No, I didn't. Okay. So everything you read is the guy's just a bitter, hard-nosed guy, and that's a, a plus as well as a minus, depending on how you look at it, right? So his no trade clause apparently listed all the playoff teams, traditional playoff teams, not – uh, the cities he didn't want to go to because it was his way of telling management, screw you for only giving me a limited no trade. So he basically listed the Yankees, the Cardinals, the Braves, the Dodgers, any the Astros, any team that's traditionally in the playoffs. He only had eight, and that's who he listed. And I just thought, man, I've never heard of this. He basically I actually, was- actually, I have heard of that quite a bit. Really? Um, some, of the big, some of the big guys that have no trade clauses, I've – I've heard of that quite a bit. They'll put big name teams on there because they want control. They want control of, and that's the way of them to get control of where they want to go. Because a lot of times teams will not say you're the last place Pittsburgh pirates and you're they're not looking to trade. They're not looking to trade. Yeah. And that's, and that's why guys do that. They, they know that, you know, the, they know that say, say, say Kershaw was on the block, which was never going to happen, but you know, they're going to look to trade. There's no way the Pittsburgh Pirates are going to pick up that massive contract. So don't even list those. You don't list the worst teams. You list the teams you don't want to go to or the best teams that you don't want to go to. I just never heard of it. It doesn't surprise me that you have, but it's cool to hear that. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it it's players don't have too much control to some degree, but that's that's kind of the way they can get a little bit of it. I like it, man. Well, hey, you mentioned something about the um, – taking it back to the Dodgers, you mentioned about uh, the Brewers and how they had a, a pitcher uh, Woodward who's dinged up, and, you know, he gave you a good solid four innings. But so the Dodgers – Doc announced that Rich Hills is four, uh, number four starter in the playoffs, which, of course, we can assume he's probably on a, on a 60 to 80 pitch count. Uh, what do you think about that? Game well, I'll four, tell you what. We, we were texting each other his first start – back against san diego like dude he does not look good like because he was hobbling around like it, it almost looked at one like one point they were going to take him out like even even in the first inning so i didn't even expect him to make a second start and then then i read after the game he felt pretty good and he hit that double and ran so it's surprising to me but 
if anybody knows him and knows what type of guy he is and, and granted people have called him Mr. Glass and, and kind of made fun of him that he gets hurt all the time, but dude's a gamer. Yeah. Like guy's going to go out there. If he can barely walk, he's going to go out there and try to give you everything he has. And sometimes, you know, sometimes in the, the scheme of baseball, like, it's it's like Jordan. Jordan had the flu like way back in the day and he goes out there and he drops, you know, 50 points or 40 points in a playoff game. Sometimes guys just rise to the occasion no matter what the consequence is in that moment to get it done for their team. And, and I think Rich Hill is is the type of guy that's going to go out there no matter what unless unless you just deemed him physically not capable of doing it. Um, he's going to go out there and run out there and give you his best inning or two innings or four innings or five innings, whatever yeah, he's he can a gamer, do. Man. Well, and, and he's, and he's proven in the playoffs. And that's, I think if he's healthy enough where the Dodgers don't think, you know, there's a deficiency out there where he may be hurt and it's his stuff isn't going to be as good as it should be, which I think the last two games he's proven, he still can break off a nasty hammer and still get people out and be effective. I think they're willing to take that risk and, and run them out there. So Dodger dude show fact, podcast fact. I was actually at the Delta center when Jordan was supposedly sick. And here's the best part. I was like three rows from the back. Cause that still cost me 200 bucks back in whatever that was 1995 or whatever. And uh, I had no idea he was sick. I go to the sports bar afterwards and somebody's like, man, can you believe Jordan was sick? I'm like, what? I can't even see that far, man. He looked like he was amazing to me, but Hey, there were times, there were times in my career too. I had some of my, and it's funny. I, I think your focus becomes heightened. There were times sure. where I like, I wasn't, I didn't feel great or, or, you know, I remember one time in San Francisco, I woke up, I had a 101 degree temperature. It was like 50 some degrees. I got to the ballpark and, you know, they're putting cold medicine in me, trying to clear my nose up. I felt horrible, but it was, it was one of those things. I'm like, I'm not missing a start. I'm going out there. Sure. And I went out there and I dealt, I threw like six or seven innings, gave up a run, yeah. but you get hyper-focused because you realize like you're not feeling great. So you're, you're really concentrating on everything you do and you're almost, or maybe it's that stuff gets in the way of, of, you know, all the bad or negative thoughts. Cause you're battling just uh, that you don't feel good standing on the mound. So you really got to concentrate whatever, whatever it is. You, I've seen it more times or not that guys that aren't feeling a hundred percent go out there and they just rise to the occasion. Hyper-focus, man. I love it. Well, Hey, let's stay on the Rich Hill topic for a second. Cause you and I've never talked about this and I'm pretty passionate about the fact that this was not okay, which is uh, so Rich Hill's on the end of his contract. He's 39 years old. Uh, he's for sure going to be able to get a job somewhere else next year, if not with the Dodgers. I think it's going to come down to does he want to play for a winner at a discount or go somewhere else for two years and make some money still. But um, I, I look like with so 39 years old and nearing the end of his career, wants a ring. Um, he's going to give you everything. That guy's going to do the Kurt Schilling bleed through the sock if he has to to, right. to get out there and win what you think everybody should but but at that point in your career you're like dude i want a ring i'm going to give you what i got but brett let me ask you about a few years back uh the nationals uh put strasburg on a pitch count and withheld him from the playoffs and to this day i don't even know i need to do some research who the general manager was if you still play and i get that his agent was like you can't do this but put yourself in his shoes brett you were there and i know he was coming off surgery but like Look, most GMs never win one. They never yeah. win one. But I, I withholding think, your ace. So tell me about your your thoughts on that as a pitcher. You know, I I remember that, and I remember 
you know, the thoughts I had, like, how can you do that? Like, how can you not go for broke and try to win? But you're talking about a kid and I, and I know Steven really well, we rehabbed at the same place. And I, I actually, the funny thing is, is when he was going through his Tommy John surgery, um, I was there rehabbing some, something and, and he went out to play catch the very first day. It was his very first day of throwing a ball after a surgery. And he gets back about, you know, 30 feet and just lets one loose. And I was like, you couldn't even tell he was hurt. And I was like, that's his first day of playing catch. Like that's better than when I'm like healthy, my first day of like in the off season throwing. So, you know, but I, I think, I think when it comes down to it, they were looking at longevity, you know, that, that was their franchise at that point. And, and they didn't want to do anything to jeopardize what he may be able to do down the road. Like in an instance last night, I mean, here you go. Now you have a, a kind of a time to, you know, make that pay off that move that happened a few years back and, and, and it worked out, you know, he got to go out in a big situation and be the kind of the face of the franchise and, and, and shut a team down. And, and, and basically that could have been the deciding factor of, of winning that game. So as much as I didn't like it in the moment when they were doing it, I think it, I think it shows that Washington, it was, was in it for the long haul with him. Um, well, and Mike and Rizzo I was the GM, and it looks like he still is. So I guess the guy kept his job for a few right? more years. Yeah, well, and, just, and, and that just imagine if you went out there and threw too much and ended up blowing out again, and now he's not pitching for you or effective as he has been this whole year. So you never know. I mean, there's there's so many ways that you can look back and and say that wasn't the right decision or it was the wrong decision or right or whatever. But you know, it worked out, and they're they're at where they're at. And Strasburg has had a great career so far, and 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 maybe it was just taking that, you know, competitive, you know, GM hat off for a second and doing what's best for the athlete, which is, which is nice to see. Cause sometimes in, in the game in the world that we're in, you know, it's not about the athlete. You yeah. sacrifice the athlete and, and what, and, and what's going on for the, the betterment of the team. But you know, there's a human element and I think they did the right thing at that point. That's why I asked you. Cause I figured you'd have a, a little different perspective as a player. Cause I was just like, I can't, I can't. But when it happened, this. I was like, what do they do? How can they not pitch this kid? Like this yeah. may be the one chance that they have in 10 Your years life, to make the playoffs. Sure. Yeah. I remember when, you know, we grew up huge Dodger fans, wanted to always go to Vero beach. And then the year my brother, you know, made it to the Dodgers and went to Major League Spring Training in 1998. Like, ever, all of us packed up and went. I remember my older brother saying, oh, I'll just go next year. And I'm thinking, there might not be a next year. Right, you never know. <laughs> and, and, and the uh, Dodgers moved, and Matt went to a different team the next year. <laughs> I tell you what, and I, I broke my shoulder. I was on the best stretch of my career in Oakland, and I broke my shoulder. And it was like, nothing is guaranteed. The next day is not guaranteed. I broke my shoulder, and it, it drastically shifted what was going on. And I was at, I was Rich Hill's category. I was 37, 38 at that point. And it drastically changed, you know, the course of what happened the next five or six years. And, and with Rich Hill in regards to him, we'll go back to him. You know, it, it's going to be a personal decision. If he likes LA, he likes the landscape there. He likes what his role is going to be and he's comfortable. You know, it, it might be a point where he'll take the same thing. He'll take less money, mate. I don't know what Rich's salaries have been, but I'm pretty sure he's comfortable. And he's, I remember when he signed with the Dodgers three years ago, it was like a, he was teary. I like, man, this is, this is my moment. This is my big contract. I'm so grateful. I'm going to give you guys everything I got. So I wouldn't be shocked at all to see the Dodgers bring him back on a one plus one or a two year deal where they're not paying him as much, but it, you know, huge incentives if he stays. Well, that's, that's what it's going to come down to those contracts, guys that are a little bit more susceptible to injuries. It's going to be, cause then it's a win-win for both situations. If the Dodgers, 
give him an, a heavily incentive-based contract and he ends up doing well, then he deserves to get paid. If he ends up getting hurt or doesn't do, then he doesn't get paid and it works out for both people. And it's, it's not a bad way to go, especially if he's comfortable and he loves LA and he loves, you know, playing with the guys. Sure. And he's going to have a chance to get a ring every year. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, especially being older and that, you know, if you're talking about trying to win a ring, like that you're in a good place to do it. I tell you what, man, we got so many buddies that are angel fans. And if I know everybody's just talking about Joe Madden, but if Garrett Cole's not at the top of their priority <laughs> list and then, and then one more pitcher, and I, I'm thinking just peel off from the Dodgers. Of course, I don't want this as a Dodger fan, but peel off whichever, whoever doesn't come back between Ryu and, uh, and Hill and the Angels would be really good. It'd be fun to watch him again because it hasn't been that fun to watch. Him Gosh, I don't know how the Dodgers don't try to keep Ryu in, in, in the mix. They got it, but he's going to get paid this year. I know, <laughs> but they got, a, they got a pretty heavy bankroll in their back pocket. So hey, let gonna, me ask you. Let me, I didn't mean to interrupt, Pat, but go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, they, they're going to have to make a decision. Unless there's, like you said, maybe the Dodgers go after Cole. You never know. Oh, they man. Might, you know, <laughs> lights out, man. Right. So, I mean, it, it, they might – and, you know, and it's hard. I think Rio has had an unbelievable season, and he's been, you know, pr probably the Cy Young. I think, he, I think he made a strong comeback in the last three or four sure. starts, which at one point I was like, he's out. There's no way he's going to win it. But, man, his last three starts have been, have been lights out. And I think he's – and I think the funny thing is I know I'm, I'm getting off on a tangent, but I think Bellinger's done the same thing. Yeah, I think Bellinger I think was on – Yeah, I think he was on his way out, and he kept that – you know, he went in that little lull and we talked about, is he slumping or not? And he was still producing and hitting home runs, but you know, he kept it, he kept it going the last few weeks and, and still started banging out home runs and getting RBIs. And I think I'm, I'm hoping, I, I think he's going to hold off. I still, I still think Alonzo has got a shot. You know, you set a record like that. You lead yeah. the league in home runs and you set a rookie. I think his, his being in New York. Yeah. I think his stock is going to rise uh, highly i know he i know the team didn't make the playoffs or anything like that but i think it's going to be a race i think there's a few guys in there but i think what, watch. i think what cody did the last week and i always said if his average stays above 300 and he keeps hitting some home runs some he's got a good too. shot so hey, yeah. let me ask you players perspective brett on something that's been talked about a lot this week you know the angels looked like they were holding for uh, holding steady and then joe madden got let go and all of a sudden uh, the Angels fired Osmus within a few hours. And of course, you know, we live in the backyard here. We got so many friends that are Halo fans. So we hear all about it. But I've been consistent about my position on Osmus and, and Epworth, the gym. What a lot of our listeners might not know is I was a hospital CEO for about 10 years. And so to me, as a CEO, as, as a leader, as somebody who's hired to lead, regardless of your title, and, and guys, as a CEO, I had a boss who was the CEO of the whole company, but I was the CEO of that hospital. And to me, it was all about loyalty, just like it was in sports, right? Like, hey, you do what I tell you, and I'll honor you, and you honor me. Um, what I didn't like about the Osmus hire, um, and really I didn't think much past this because at this point it didn't matter to me because trust was violated. Um, Osmus was hired by Epler as a special assistant to the Angels about a month and a half into the prior season when Mike Sosha was the manager. And within a week or two, you heard that Sosha wasn't coming back. From that day forward, uh, and look, I didn't catch on to what was going on, and nobody did until the season ended so she was gone they did a quote-unquote search and then they hired brad osmus a week later and in retrospect that was the plan all along and to me that was a violation of trust and loyalty of mike Sosha as your manager and, and i may read it differently because i was a leader and and i asked loyalty and honesty and i told people i would give them integrity and loyalty in return what, what's your perspective on that situation? Not just Osmus, but if the GM hires somebody and kind of slides them in the back door and then, uh, 
you know, well, that, I, I think it's, I think, uh, you know, I, I can, I can argue it a couple different ways. I can see your point there, but I, I can also argue it. Maybe it wasn't the game plan from the get go and it was yeah. a hire of convenience. He's sure. there. He's there. He's, he's there. got a reputation. He's been, you know, he was in Detroit. They did well. Um, they had a couple good runs and you already have him on payroll. Basically he's in house. Yeah. It's, it's Kansas city. Are they going to hire Mike Matheny? He just was put on as a special assistant uh, that year. And now that um, Yost is out, you know, he's, he's the most likely candidate to get that job. So I think, I think when it comes down to the game, uh, there, you'll see a lot, of, a lot of teams, especially not teams that are super in contention right away, that they might just go internally because they know the system already. They're sure. already in-house. They've already, they already know the landscape of, of what that organization is trying to do. And it maybe just been, you know, it was a practical decision to make. You know, I think Osmus – I still am confused on them firing them after one year. It's not, it's not like well, they gave it's him Joe a, Madden, right? I mean, it's gotta be Joe. Well, Madden. I, they're talking about Joe Madden down here in San Diego uh, yeah. also. So I think there's going to be a lot of question marks. I think Osmus might have a shot for, for that job, depending on what Madden does and, and, and where he goes. I want to see Phil Nevin down there, our high school teammate, San Diego. Yeah, I don't know if I text Phil, up. I text Phil as soon as it opened up, like, yeah. Hey, you're going to have a shot at getting this. And, and, you know, I think there's a lot. I, he's in a good spot too, in in sure in New York. In, uh, in New York, what about Garen? Third base coach for for yeah, the Yankees. I so. think Garen's going to be in the mix too for some jobs, and and it's going to be a situation. Does he want to be the head guy somewhere, like he was in Oakland, or does does he like sure. where he's at in L.A.? He's I mean, got there's some a, health th- issues too. I know, but hey, let, let's let's go back to the Osmus thing. We can get I'll, off on some tangents, can't we? We can. Just, <laughs> but I want to ask you about this in particular because I think what rubbed me the wrong way and said this is for sure what happened that it wasn't an open race is the Angels. It looked to me like they pretended to do a search. They didn't bring in Girardi. They didn't bring in Darren Erstad. They didn't bring in Troy Percival, who's been the head coach at University of California Riverside for a few years, which has kind of been the trend, right? But I'm like, look, just appease the fans and talk to some of these folks. You didn't do any of that. So I think that's one of the things that made me go, this was just kind of a Well, a I don't. I, th- I think there's a lot that goes that we don't know. I know when, um, uh, when San Diego, uh, before they hired Andy Green, um, you know, I, I was having lunch with, or we were having dinner with Dave. And I said, Dave, are you going to be the next manager of the Padres? And they didn't even call him. They didn't even call him in for an interview. And it was like, here's a guy that was he still a, with them or is he? Yeah. He was the interim manager after I forgot who was managing, got fired. Well, that's just disrespect, man. Well, yeah. And that was the thing. And Dave said, they know what I'm about. They know what type of person if they, cause I said, well, why aren't you calling them and saying, Hey, I want to interview for this job. Sure. And so like, there's a lot of inner workings and you don't know what that front office you know, what their expectations was. I mean, a lot of people say you want to get, sometimes they want a yes, man. They want a guy that they can control or, or, you know, the front office can pull the strings. And if you have a manager that has their own, you know, mindset of how they want things done, maybe that just doesn't match up. So you never know what, what's going on in the front office and who they're calling in and who, who they aren't. I mean, thankfully for the Dodgers, he didn't get the job down here. So, sure. you know, it worked out for, for LA. So speaking of the big D, let's talk Dodger playoff baseball. So the roster appears to be set at the taping of this show that they're going to go with 13 uh, offensive players and 12 pitchers in the first round, which means uh, um, Gavin Lux and Matt Beatty are going to be on the roster is what we're hearing. And I think, Brett, you've been pretty consistent, and so are the other player guests we've had in saying, hey, I think that makes sense in the first round, and then you flip that into the second round. So if there's not an injury or anything, then there'll be a decision to be made. But uh, with uh, Verdugo out, with Alex Verdugo out, it, it really made it a more comfortable decision. But it wasn't very comfortable for Tony Gonsolin because it looks like May got so hot the last three weeks that Gonsolin's probably out. 
on the pitching side. So what are your thoughts on all that? Well, yeah, and I, I hadn't been on board with the whole May thing um, after the first couple outings. And, and you know, we, we had talked about Gonson, like his repertoire is, is definitely – but we were talking, I think, more for the four-star. That was – I think a lot of things happened. Rich Hill showing that he, he was going to be able to do it. Um, I think it kind of threw things off because now that throws him in the four spot. Gonson to the bullpen, you know, seems like a, a, a feasible thing to do. But with May, the type of arm that he has, and, and it comes down, talk about power arms in the bullpen, you know, back into the bullpen. It, May's got more of electric stuff than Gosselin in terms of, you know, throw the ball by somebody. And I think when you're coming down to, to playoff time and, and late in the game, you want a guy that can go out there and throw three straight pitches by somebody. And I don't think Gonsolin's that. Thing. I, I agree with you. Gonsolin's a starter and a long and a short guy. That's why we were both like, hey, this guy seems like he's pretty. I mean, look at May. His last nine innings, he hadn't given up a run. Like well, he looks like a setup guy. He looks like a number one setup guy right now. Quite right. And, and, and they've been lacking that. I, I know Baez has been doing great, but he's not that, hey, I'm going to come out there and I'm going to bring 100 at you. And the like, way Doc plays, he needs three setup guys at the playoffs, right? Right. He's, and, he's and, a seventh inning and eighth inning guy. And maybe with the Jansen woes and struggles, it gives them another option of if Jansen comes in or, or they don't feel super comfortable and they want to slot Kelly down a little bit later, that gives them another option. I think when it comes to playoffs, power arms rule. And, and, and May is just more of a power arm than Gonsolin. I actually feel great about the Dodger bullpen, which I haven't all year because I, <laughs> That's, I don't think a lot of people have said those words this whole nah, season. I just, uh, you just described it, man. We didn't even bring up Joe Kelly in that conversation, but if you brought Jansen in the eighth, because there was a, uh, you know, two or three righties, heart of the lineup coming up or something. And, and he got his pitch count up into the twenties, man, you could go with two or three other guys to finish the ninth. You could For go sure. righty lefty. You could go may choleric and then finish with Kelly. You could go Kelly the whole time. I mean, we have options now. And I feel very confident in it. And the bullpen is what it comes down to in the playoffs, man. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's bull, bullpen is everything in the playoffs. Uh, and any team that you've seen win, you know, championships the last 10 years, it all comes down to the bullpen. Because when the game's on the line, you know, those guys have got to come in and shut people down. And, and like you said, a lot of power arms, a lot of different options. Yeah, the, besides the Jansen woes, I think the bullpen has actually shaped up. And we talked about it. We talked about it earlier that, you know, when they were struggling, things were going bad. It, the big key to them was to get people healthy, get Kershaw and Ryu back on track, and get Jansen on track. And, and, and Ryu, Ryu and Kershaw, they did that. They showed that they they're, could do what they did earlier in the year. Jansen has shown glimpses of, of getting back. But the other back end of the bullpen guys, the Kellys, the Baezes, now the Mays are showing what they can do. And, you know, I wouldn't have said this three weeks ago, that, like you said, that I like the way the starting pitching staff is shaping up and I like the way the bullpen is shaping up. We weren't, we weren't having that conversation three weeks ago. We were like, yeah. what is going to happen? This Nerves is not- were taking over. And, and you know what, Brett? Yesterday's game to me was a great example of playoff baseball. It's a 4-3 game. It's a 3-2, a 3-1 game. If the, and I heard Fred Rogan and Rodney Pete say it today as I was driving around. If the Dodgers hit, they go all the way. When they don't hit, because their pitching is always going to be stable. And stable usually means from a starter, three runs or less, and the bullpen, zero to two. So, I mean, if the Dodgers get more than five runs in a game, they're going to win. And that's pretty much true for everybody. But 
you know, the Dodgers like Houston, there were streaks this year where they were averaging nine runs a game for a, a week or so at a time. So, but that's but that's been the Dodgers' mo for sure. the last what five years, maybe even more than that. They're they're streaky. They have a lot of streaky hitters. Bellinger, you know, has been consistent all year, but in the years past, he's been streaky. So I'm hoping he has a playoff that that is worthy of what he's done. You know, the whole season because I think it'd sure. be great for him. But the other guys, the Petersons. You know, those guys have the Hernandez's, you know, he's been struggling a little bit. Those guys can't be as streaky as, as they've been in the past. You've got to get those guys locked in. However, they got to do it the last couple of days leading into the, the, this and first Smith's game. Smith's been pretty streaky too behind the Yeah, and, and that's, I think that's where, that's, that's when we talk about the five-game um, series. That's what worries me. You don't have guys that can get things locked in and, 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 and ride it out. It could be over in three games. And, and yeah. Well, you don't I want think to see consistency, that. you talk about David Freeze, you talk about Max Muncy, you talk about Seager. The last two months of the season, you could count on those guys just about every game. Seager loves to get you, or excuse me, Muncy loves to get you that walk, that timely walk. Uh, but Seager, Muncy, and Freeze. But here's the thing about Freeze. I love Freeze. I didn't love the pickup when they picked him up. But, man, that guy has proved me wrong time and time again. He's Mr. Clutch. He's a veteran presence. He's got rings. You know, he's on the downside of his career. In fact, I read this week he's probably done, but he's keeping he's, – he's waiting until the season's over to figure it out. But if you can get – I don't know if you're done. There's, I'm, I'm looking at some stuff. Last 30 games, 339. I don't know if you can pack it in, man. That, he's been no, incredible. I'm with you. I think he comes back on a, on a veteran discount too because he wants to be a winner and he knows. I mean, when you've won a ring, you know <laughs> – Brett, you know this. You make an extra half a million dollars if you go to the World Series, right? I mean, it doesn't matter. You no, know, your playoff Major share is – minimum. <laughs> yeah, your playoff share is sizable. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah stay so, with it. <laughs> yeah, so – so there's a people don't. I mean, he's only it. he's only 36 years old. Like it's not yeah. like he's he's he just, uh, he's pushing 40. 36 is like the new 26. I'm with you. I'd like to see him sign a one plus one with the Dodgers. Come back. And, and here's my point. He's not really intended, nor does he want to. I think being an everyday player, his body's starting to give out on him. But man, when he plays against lefties, he's been solid. They have this guy in the in the leadoff hole half the time, and he does well. And and they usually pull him by the fifth inning when they bring in a lefty or something or a righty to throw against them. But, hey, last couple minutes here, Brett. So let's talk prediction time. Short series, interesting pitching matchups. From what we're hearing, the, both teams are kind of going 3-2-1 on the rotation. Yeah, right. uh, and then they're going to you know, kind of throw the jacks in the air for game four and five. I mean, even though Rich Hill's been named as the starter, that's like a three or four inning at best performance. So, so tell us what you think. What do you think is going to happen? Well, I mean, I mean it, it's really going to come down to, to – pitching uh and i think that's where the dodgers have the advantage I, I i don't think the nationals bullpen is is you know measures up to what the dodgers have and th and that's a big thing I, the key is going to be to knock out those starters to knock out the scherzers to knock out the, the strasburgs or the corbins and, and try to get to their bullpen early if you get to the bullpen late they have a couple guys that can get it done doolittle is great against lefties so i mean you don't you don't want that situation deep but if you can get the starters out you know, third, fourth inning and have, have that middle, middle area to try to, to bang some runs out. I think that's where the Dodgers are going to take a little bit of the advantage. You know, the Nationals are a young team. They're exciting. Um, we've talked a little bit about them before, but they got Rendon. They got Soto to, in the middle of their lineup. Trey Turner, I mean, is having a great year. They got firepower. They got speed. They got some, some, some bang and thunder in the middle of their lineup. And so it's going to be up to the Dodger pitchers to shut them down and to keep them, you know, at bay and not let it get out of control. But, you know, I, I you know, 
I've said Washington scares me because of their starting pitchers, and they still do. But if the Dodgers come out and do what they've done to win 106 games for the regular season and set a franchise record and just stay consistent and not get streaky and have a, a little slide <laughs> during a five-game series, which I'm not a big fan of, then I, I like their chances. So I'm going to go with the Dodgers in four, losing either game two or game three. I'll, I'll you're, getting, them, you're getting specific. Yeah, I'll let them determine that. <laughs> I just, I feel like, uh, you know, the Dodgers, um, everything's coming together. I feel very confident. Um, I'm tired of watching them losing the World Series, so I want to I want to have a nice series here where they can put up some runs. I'd love I, it if they came and just three three straight. And oh then, man, that'd be amazing. But I I think it comes down to the Dodger bullpen. I really do. One hundred percent. It's going to be. Even, cut. Yeah, I don't even the Washington bullpen. It comes down to the Dodger bullpen. If they can hold, we'll score the runs. Um, if we can only need to score three or four runs and and win a game with three or four, we'll be great. If the bats come alive and we get five, six, seven, then it should be even better. Yeah, and I think I think the one thing, and I think if the Dodgers were watching, which I'm sure they were, uh, with Scherzer, they got to jump on him early. And I think typically the Milwaukee is a pretty patient team, and, and you know even like Grindal, like he he doesn't swing a lot of for he jumped on the first pitch. And he didn't I show think, a lot of emotion, but he was happy on that. Oh, that for play. sure, absolutely. But I think I think the Dodgers need to come out aggressive and, and really set a tone and set a pace uh, that shows that they're not screwing around and they're not sitting back and, and, you know, and show why they're the, they were the, you know, top wins in the national league and get at, and get after it from, from the very first pitch. Well, my dog's in the background barking to cheer us on here. So, <laughs> Hey guys, it's the Dodger dudes, uh, Josh, Luke and Brett Tomka. We'll be back after game one, tune in the following morning. We'll have a show for you. And then again, after game two, Brett, thanks again for all that great input, bud. Absolutely, buddy. Go Dodgers. Thanks for tuning in to the Dodger Dudes Show with the former Dodger pitcher Brett Tomko and Josh the Duker Luke. Whether you're at the stadium, on your couch, or at work, don't forget to interact with the hosts on social media at the Dodger Dudes on Twitter and Facebook. That's the Dodger Dudes on both Twitter and Facebook. Check out other SoCal sports podcasts at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. Now go vote on our Twitter and Facebook fan poll and tune in again soon. Game on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.